What about you, Colin? I taught a cat how to do a trick. What have you done? I had my birthday. That was a thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely didn't say anything about that. Happy birthday, Yeah, man, you forgot. I mean, usually, usually it's me forgetting your birthday. Usually you forget. Not this year, man. I I was very caught up in in Halloween. You let me down. Yeah, Yeah, I did, actually. Hard let down. Do you know one thing, though, which was really interesting? In the wake of everything on social media with privacy and security, I made my birthday private right. on basically everything. Yeah, that's not and that's s- not fun for the old ego. So, so this is the thing. So the only public birthday post I had on Facebook was from my best friend Bex. That was it. Aww. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got zero last time. The people who I expected to get in touch... Like, nine out of ten of them did. Oh, man, I'm the one. (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry, that's as a ratio. That's as a ratio. There's only ten people. I'm the only letdown. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, James. Um, I didn't didn't want to be like, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Hey, James, it's October 31st today. I didn't even realise it was was October 31st, I'll be honest. Oh, really? Halloween only dawned on me when I realised why there was a bunch of people knocking at the door that I was ignoring, and from then on, I was just hiding. Did you ignore all the trick and treater? Trick and treaters? Trick or treaters? I I forgot, again, because I have not been keeping track of the date, I forgot Halloween was coming, so I didn't have anything to give anyone, so I couldn't. I can't open the door and be like, Oh man, you guys all dressed up like school kids. My goodness, can't believe it. Here's nothing. I didn't get you anything. Haha, leave. You must have something in the in the flat though. There was nothing s- suitable uh, as a trick or treat uh, g- gift. I don't know what you call them. Tr- Here's treat. some co-op potatoes. Basically, it's like co-op potatoes are like biscuits, but like <laughs> that's about it really. Maybe some to be fair. ramen. I could have given them a packet of spicy ramen each. So uh, I was in a panic all day yesterday trying to get work done and then trying to ignore uh, trick-or-treaters so uh, yeah it's, that's on me that is so, sorry Colin I, I don't okay. think we can carry on the podcast I'll be honest with you it's too much of a letdown it's point. okay you're, you're forgiven the interesting thing for me on, on top of the fact that I had my birthday so people really had to use them brains yeah if they were to uh to, to, to send that birthday wish send the automated birthday wish the people yeah the people I'd expected to most of them did so that was fine not naming names, James, but on a related well, we note... we already named my name. <laughs> on a related note, the trick or treaters uh, failed to show at uh, my flat, but that is because the, where I stay, first of all, I'm, I'm in a block. Yeah. And second of all, it's more of a young adult's... Re- as opposed to students, as yeah. opposed to families in the suburbs where you are. People might dress up, but they go out drinking. They don't go out trying to get Precisely. Like, five... Mars bars. It was only at that point that I was thinking, what do I have in the flat that I could give exactly. people? It's only it's too late by the time you realise. I had in the fridge leftover five guys fries. Nah. That which were cold. Nah. A out of date zero percent fat yogurt. Eat, right. That w- that probably won't do and, it. And um an open box of matchmakers. Oh wow. Yeah, no, those aren't good for dishing out one at a time. What I think I've learned is that I need to keep like a pile of loose change in a bag near the front door so that when it's trick or treat time and everybody wants their treats, even though they didn't dress up because no one dresses up in my end of the city, uh, apparently. Uh, well, they must be wearing something. They can do a lucky dip into the bag of coins and hope that they pull out a pound. <laughs> right. Okay. But they must have dressed up though, right? N- n- it's been a 50-50. On the years that I remember to have a pile of sweets available, 
Uh, the times I have answered the door to kids who are just still in their school uniform is is half the time. Well, maybe they're just dressing up as school children. That was the joke I made earlier on, but you maybe have cut that, so... Seesaw <laughs> <laughs> Parade, episode... One eight four. I will Welcome never forgive myself all. for this, Colin. I'm the, I am. I'm gonna not sleep well for for months, and I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming me. I just there's nowhere else to vent. The thing is, James, not this year, but last year, yeah. I did the same thing. I completely forgot it was your birthday. I'm pretty sure we've got a couple of podcast recordings where it's you realizing that my birthday has gone by <laughs> <laughs> until until time of recording. Yeah, but and beyond the- even that. Until we actually press record. <laughs> but because it happened in 2018 and it was on the podcast, and I was so mortified that I made sure I got it right this year. All right. I'm, yeah, no, so I haven't had that life-changing letdown moment. This could be it. Well, you have now. I, yeah, so I'm saying this could be this could be <laughs> the one the one thing that makes me an actual consistent birthday wisher. Well not that not that I think at a certain point reminding someone that they got older feels like a bit of an insult. Like, I'm not sure I want any more birthday wishes. See, this is the thing, because now I am, dear listeners, 28 years old. I feel I have crossed some sort of threshold of of oldness in that, okay, I'm out of 27 Club, so farewell, Kurt Cobain and Amy, I was going to say Amy Adams, nope. Amy Winehouse, even. Yeah, you know, you got past the, the, the year of death. But now I'm like... I'm two years away from 30. That's that's not cool. Yeah, how many kids have you got? Zero. That makes you a failure. <laughs> Zero kids. How many proposals of marriage have you had? Zero. That's a complete failure, Colin. Oh, my. Society tells us you must be married by now. Society I, demands well, exactly. it. Like, yesterday, uh, Kenneth and Miriam, my brother and sister-in-law, were just so happened to be in Glasgow um, a few days off. And so we spent some time together hanging out and got a Krispy Kreme. It was all good. They went and saw a, a theatre show and I had a oh. Five Guys. It was awesome. Oh, lovely. And um, it was just at the end of the day, I'm like, man, you guys have been married for like 10 years or close to 10 years. Whoa. That's insane. Miriam's only two years older than I am. Whoa. So, yeah, part of me is like, okay, you're 28 years old now. What have you got to show for it? A podcast with 184 episodes? Yes. <laughs> Still in its season one, which... Sometimes gets a good amount of listens. No, it was 184 at a time. Yeah, it was. Well done. Oh, man. So, anyway, sorry, this is a very long intro. I'm Colin, and he's James, who forgot my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, that's the last time I bring it up. No, no. <laughs> I don't believe you. I would not I would, I would. would not expect any forgiveness for a fair while <laughs> at this point. It's fine. I've, I've forgiven worse. You're, you're, you're okay. Don't worry. So... <laughs> another year older, another episode in, another episode closer to death. And Brexit Day has passed. <laughs> and that's, yeah, exactly. Well, let's start with that, James. Let's skip the formalities of we did what Seas Operate is. We did it, Colin. We've left the EU. <laughs> we, uh, we are still firmly in the EU, and Boris Johnson, sadly, is not dead in a ditch, as he predicted. And the Conservative Party has, is still in existence, despite the fact that Boris said if they failed to leave on Halloween, uh, the party would be finished. But alas, it'll be it, through. It's still it's still rolling on. James, uh, just talk me through 
well, we're, we're still alive, we're, and we're still in the EU. I remember, what happened, like, we let, last time we recorded, the new withdrawal agreement had gotten through stage one of Parliament, and then it got held up because Parliament wanted to make sure that no bre- no deal Brexit was impossible. Yeah, and then Which Labour... sounds pretty fair to me. Yeah, they basically just said, oh, oh, great, okay, it's off the table, we're fine, maybe get December 11th, and the government were like, no, well, December no, yeah, 12th. No, so after, like, the, the agreement got held back, Boris was like... Tis time for an election. You guys have let me down. As as your as the opposition, you've done a real bad job by opposing me and succeeding. It's election time. And then nobody wanted that until even further protections were were in. And then yep. there was a bit of debate about the date. People like most people are worried because students might not be able to vote so easily if they've already gone home for Christmas. Uh-huh. Most people, lots of people. I'm surprised the Conservatives aren't worried because a lot of their voter base will be in hospital in the winter crisis and maybe unable to vote. <laughs> right. Well, let me stop you there. So, just uh, for There's listeners so who there's so much who, who've been in a coma, a lot has happened in terms of the election uh, this week. Starting with the facts, there is going to be a general election on Thursday, the 12th of December. Yay! Uh, at which point, I may actually be on jury duty, but wow. I have. Well, don't worry, you're not going to miss anything. The Conservatives are going to sweep the floor. So this, right, which leads me on to the next point, which is this election is being held because from Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister's perspective, he wants to get a majority to push through Brexit, whereas Labour, SNP and the Lib Dems and Joe Swinson, who seems to think that she's going to be the next Prime Minister, okay, Uh they are like, well, this is our chance to undo Brexit. And well, to have a referendum for some of them, to undo it for others. Yeah, and the polls would seem to suggest, as you say, James, that the Tories are going to win and going to win big. One of the parts that's confusing me is they they don't need an election to get their agreements through. They just needed to wait. They ask for the extension, wait for Parliament to be happy that all the protections were in place, and it would have had to go through. They were going to eventually have enough people to get this through, and now they're delaying it even further by having it. I don't know. It's a mess. Everybody's everybody's a mess. And then somehow, even though it's all the Conservatives' fault, even though the state of the UK is entirely the Conservatives' fault, they are still going to win by a landslide. Unless, like, the campaign goes as remarkably poor, poorly as last time. And, okay. And Corbyn doesn't do as well as last time. So, I don't believe Corbyn will do as well as last time. He, he He's launched, got no talking points. He launched, he launched the Labour campaign uh, yesterday, yeah. uh, vowing to transform Britain by taking on the few who run a corrupt system. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's promised to rebuild public services and he's hit out at uh, tax dodgers, bad bosses and big polluters. Those all sound like things that deserve to be hit out at right well well here's the thing james he's not gonna win with a campaign like that he's just not going to it's same old labor with the same old stuff and i appreciate that is because that's what their party is and it's a party for their workers and blah 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 but yeah because corbyn is so far from prime ministerial quality or or so far from what you'd expect from nah. compare him to even tony blair or gordon brown and nah. the way they presented themselves He's just not going to do it. He's yeah, not the man to a, do it. That is a waster. That is a middle class attitude. 
What? That is why he's not going to win. It's not because he actually isn't Prime Ministerial, and it's not because he actually isn't able to do it. It's because people have been told that he isn't. No, but he isn't. And then they go, yeah, he wears a he wears a weird suit. No. Sometimes he doesn't wear the right color tie. I've, I can't believe it. He'd be terrible. Nobody has told me that. I've just observed it. No, the media has told you that. No, it's not. Yeah, they've reported on him, and you've and you've seen their reports. Like, what I've has he done? Him. What has he done that has made him not Prime Ministerial? You compare him to, well, for example, compare him to Tony Blair, Gordon Brown. Tony Blair is a war criminal. He, hold on, doesn't, regardless of the fact that he led this country to an illegal war. And we can't say Gordon Brown because he got, he got booted out. He got, hold on, Gordon James. Brown got booted out. He can't put him hold on the on. list. Despite the fact, this is regardless of ethics, policy, I'm talking about the way he delivers his his lines, the way he speaks to people, the way he holds himself. Yeah, yeah, you compare yeah, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn to Tony Blair and the way that he presents and presented himself, the way Gordon Brown is an excellent orator. Jeremy Corbyn's not even in the same league. He's just... He's a poor man's Tony Blair. Oh, he is not a poor man's Tony Blair. Tony, not, Tony Blair is the vile, a vile, evil person. Don't forget This that. is not about the person themselves. This is about how, yeah, they, no, present so how, how themselves. they present their, themselves. Sure, but like, why does that matter? Someone's policies should matter. Someone's practice should matter. Their behavior should matter. The things they do and the decisions they make should matter. How they state them should not matter. How they dress should not matter. But then we are all told that those things are important for absolutely no reason. And never mind saying that he's he's not prime ministerial. If you're comparing him to Boris Johnson. Who also is not prime ministerial. Further from prime ministerial. The, like beyond that, even in those measures of public speaking, he's terrible. <laughs> he can't have any good talking points. When he was chatting about the EU, he's bringing out kippers on the stage and all that. That's true. Like... We can't compare people under prime ministerialness and how well they talk. You have to be comparing people on their policies and what they want. And okay. people have been told not to. And it's all, it's, all, it's all misleading, this fact that Jeremy Corbyn is somehow bad because he can't, he can't do talk as good as other people can do talk. Before we talk about Donald Trump and his role in this, just to get your view on what Corbyn actually said, the analysis is that what he was talking about in his campaign launch wasn't exactly centre ground. It's designed to enthuse the younger voters and previous non-voters, yeah. uh, convincing them that their involvement in politics can make a difference. Do you think you'll achieve that? Uh, and no, young voters are never going to vote in the numbers that are required to 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 win an election. This is part of the issue. Now, there are more people registering to vote than before, and there are more young people registering to be, to vote than before. So we might see some change, but it is not enough to to cover for the 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 vast majority of UK voters who will just automatically vote Conservative because that's what they've been told to do. You can't you can't get rid of all the over forties and over fifties who just exclusively voted Conservative until the Brexit party existed. Well. And now, like, 15% of them are going to vote Brexit party. Well, talking off the Brexit party, Nigel Farage, on his LBC show yesterday, received a call from the US President Donald Trump, 
who in said interview slash phone call talked about how the Brexit deal that Boris Johnson got was bad uh, for a prospective deal between uh, the two countries. And then he suggested that Farage and Bojo (laughs) team up to uh, create some sort of super party, which Bojo has today knocked down and said, no, that's that's not happening. I'm, I'm going to give myself some points here because I made this exact joke a couple of days before Donald made the joke, uh, wherein Nigel and Boris just need to form the new Conservative and Brexit party and they would they would win even easier. That, that is true. But Boris doesn't want to do that because Nigel would get some of the power. I actually don't think Nigel wants to win. I don't think Nigel wants Brexit either. Well, no. Well, Boris didn't want Brexit in the first place. No, no, he just no. wanted to be the the plucky loser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is it. Nigel never wanted it either, and now he doesn't. He wants to contest the Conservatives to try and get uh, another ineffective government so that Brexit doesn't happen and the Brexit Party carries on being relevant, and then he can carry on getting attention and money. Just on the point of Trump, the fact that he is calling up. Uh, London-based radio show yeah, to give his view yeah. on British politics, yeah. stating who he wants to win, yeah. and also slagging off Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. What does that say about the state of politics in the world? Well, I can't actually remember what it was. Can you remind me what everyone was so offended? Was it Brexit itself? Everyone was super offended when Obama questioned Brexit a wee bit? Yeah, he, he essentially said Brexit was a bad idea. Yeah, so Obama says Brexit's a bad idea and everyone's raging, everyone's screaming about it. How dare the US president say anything about us? Trump calls in and is like, hey, I like I like no I like no deal, please. Give me no deal, please. And Farage is a good friend of mine. And then everybody's like, Oh um, yeah. We should we should take that in, into consideration. And granted, not everybody. There has been some outrage, but it hasn't even approached the outrage of Ob- that Obama had. Yeah, some people have, uh, particularly from Labour, have accused Trump of trying to interfere in the election. Well, he is, yeah. He's directly interfering in the in the election. By saying, this is what he said, he, he said Mr Corbyn would be so bad as Prime Minister and that Mr Johnson was the exact right guy for the times. Yeah. Okay. So Trump likes Boris, so that must make Boris... a very good prime minister it's just it's ridiculous and none of this matters because the conservatives will win because i don't really understand how how they can fail to do brexit so hard how they can fail so hard that they end up having to do it and then fail really hard at doing it and then end up a stronger party than they were before makes no sense but if in the general election the people of the uk vote the conservatives in on mass and they get a majority government with like piles of seats to spare yeah we deserve this we deserve whatever brexit we get from them and we deserve whatever rule we get from them we deserve the nhs to be sold off to american companies piece by piece we deserve all of that because we vote for it right yeah and then it's then we then we can only try and salvage things in the future but everyone's always talking about the conservative party's dying this will be the end of the party and then nah they're never going to go away. They're okay. always going to win in Britain. Britain's Britain's the worst. Before we talk about lighter topics for a little while, two further related pieces of news. The first one being there is some disquiet in Parliament that a sensitive report on essentially Russian spying in the UK, including allegations of electoral interference, is being sat on yeah. by number 10. Yeah. James, this is uh, concerning. 
The report includes evidence uh, from UK intelligence services concerning Russian attempts to influence the EU referendum in 2016 and the election two years ago. Yeah. So there's people saying that this report has had enough time to get through the system. Yeah. And that it is an important report before an election, which it is. Like if you're talking about uh, Russian and and or foreign interference in elections, then maybe we need to hear about it right before an election so that we can understand what's going on. Yep. So why would you want to hold that back? I would imagine because it would start some sort of international incident. Who cares? It's it needs to be it needs to come out now rather than once everybody's committed to their vote, right? And if it doesn't come out next week, that's it until January or whatever. Until after the election, until after everybody's voted. Yeah. And and surely if the report isn't isn't like hard down, yeah, there's loads of loads of interference. If the report's just like, yeah, there's a wee bit, but it's fine. We've we've managed it. They should rush that out to give us all assurance that our votes are pure and good. And surely, if the report is telling us that there is an absolute pile of interference and we all need to be careful, and here's how we handle it, that should be rushed out too, and we should all be hearing about it now. There's no version of this report that shouldn't be getting pushed through as fast as possible to help the public understand what's going on. Okay, and on a related note, Twitter are to ban all political advertising worldwide. Good on them. Saying that the reach of such messages should be earned, not bought. This is uh, shortly after social media rival Facebook uh, recently ruled out a ban on political ads. James, thoughts on this? Well, there's a lot of evidence that when it comes to elections, it's just the party that spends the most money on advertising wins. Now, that's not always true, but a lot of advertising spending helps. And when you're looking at online targeted advertising, which we've all had to had to think about far more deeply recently, uh, it's it's a lot easier to just manipulate people through online adverts. So Twitter just going like, no, none at all is great because it's better to say no political ads than to say only approved political ads because then you get the question of um, them having to choose which adverts are acceptable exactly. and then everybody's up in arms when they aren't. So no adverts makes a lot of sense. Other social media should follow. Facebook are disgusting by saying that uh, it's like, by even comparing this to censorship because it's not censorship if it's all gone. Exactly. So Facebook need to follow suit. They need to get rid of their dumb little news section that says Breitbart is a real news source they won't and they need to get rid of um, political advertising and it is clearly money that isn't the reason they're they're keeping it going yeah well they won't that's that's the thing because they make so much money from it zuckerberg's had meetings with the republicans recently and he's all of a sudden changing his stance on a lot of different things about (laughs) political advertising and stuff and and new censorship Uh, so i wonder why let's just wonder why (laughs) okay james let's talk about what we've been watching i have a two films and a tv show here and you have something which i don't know what it is um right (laughs) which which one do you want to hear first on this list give me i see that you hold on hold on let me let me tease you with three words, and you can choose a word: oh. robots, zombies, horses. Horses. Okay. Well, sorry, horse. <laughs> oh man, horse. Okay, fine. We'll start with that. Bojack Horseman is back with a final se- uh, final season, split into two parts. We've been uh, playing the trailers over the last few episodes. It came out on Netflix last Friday. I binged it in the space of a day. It's just it's. A continuation of what BoJack Horseman has always been about, which is, it's funny, it is 
sad. It is a phenomenal portrait of the world today and celeb culture and mental illness and addiction. And the voice acting and the performances and the animation are all as phenomenal as ever. If you if you like BoJack Horseman, then season six is more of the same. I thought it was fantastic. And bring on part two. Oh, good. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I plan to see it as soon as I can. All right, James, what is Mort or more if it's French? Mort, like short for like Mortimer, the name. Oh, okay. So this is a book, Colin. A book? Yeah, because I don't... 2019? I haven't, watched, I haven't watched very many things, but I have kept finishing books. So I finished... Okay. Yet another Terry Pratchett novel. Uh, Mort is one of the stories about... Or one of the stories pertaining to the character that is death and and stories that surround him. Uh, to, to spoil chapter one, Mort is just some kid who's looking for an apprenticeship job and he becomes death's apprentice. And then the story goes on from there as many things happen. And it's great. <laughs> Pratchett's the best. Read this book. That sounds very interesting. Oh, no, yeah. Have you not, have you not been a Pratchett reader? I've, uh, no, I've never read anything by Oh, man, Terry everybody Pratchett. needs to. It's, it's just, just the best stuff. It, 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 it's humorous, but also very, very realistic feeling, grounded. Uh, it references real life, even though it's set on a different universe, basically, and it's got different universal rules. Okay. It's very approachable. I reckon anybody, anybody could really enjoy this, this kind of writing. Excellent stuff. Okay, next up from me, robots or zombies? Uh, robots, please. Okay, this is Terminator Dark Fate. Dark Fate. Uh, it's the sixth film in the Terminator franchise, which started in the 80s, early 90s, with uh, Terminator and then T2, followed by a string of uninspired sequels slash spin-offs slash reboots most recently with Terminator Genesis a few years ago which yeah. was terrible. Yeah. Dark Dark Fate is fine. It's oh. not bad, Ooh. but it's also not good. Other that, you know what? I was not expecting you to say anything good, so this is a pleasant <laughs> surprise. The best thing about it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course. Because he's back as just himself except very old yeah whilst the film has some nice action sequences it's not doing anything new yeah you know everything i've seen everything i saw or sorry the vast majority of what i saw in that film i've seen done slightly differently slightly better in other films you know the hand-to-hand combat or I know the plane sequences with things being shot out the sky or things falling out the sky. Right. What it does have is a set of very good performances all round. Linda Hamilton is back reprising her role from the first two films as Sarah Connor. There you go. Except she's, you know, it's it's what all franchises are doing these days. They bring back the original cast except they're old because they are old. And it's a it's a passing of the torch kind of film. She's great, and some of the new additions are excellent too. Hey. I felt I felt the new Terminator, the dude who was playing the new Terminator was, uh, by the numbers, generic, make an actor kind of guy. Right. That being said, it's totally inoffensive cinema. That's, that's all it is. 
that's got its place. Everybody needs that every now and then. It's also bombing in the United States, which again is great. Great news for for people who... (laughs) Everybody loves it when you hear about stuff bombing in the United States. (laughs) I should say it's bombing in the box office in the United States. And that is great news for people who hate the fact that these franchises are going on and on and on. And to me, I hope it signals the death knell for all of these other franchises which studios are desperately trying to revive. Nope, that's not what happens. Our, our, our tastes do not actually influence the world whatsoever. Okay, talking of things dying and coming back to life, Zombieland 2, Double Tap. That was the other film I saw this week. Oh yeah, I'd like to hear about zombies, please. Zombies <laughs> next. Thanks, James. I'll, I'll, I'll see what's behind the zombies door. Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. It's essentially the same film as the one 10 years ago right and that but that's not a bad thing you know it is funny it has some inventive ways of killing zombies right it tells a nice story okay but at the end of the day everybody is 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 in exactly the same place as they were at the end of the first film right all together okay relationships and interactions and uh, the equilibrium between characters is different. It's shifted. Things have changed very, very slightly. Right. Rosario Dawson is now in the gang. That's also cool. <gasps> oh. And Bill Murray is also in it, which is also fun. Yeah. So, out of the, you know, out of the two, absolutely go see Zombieland. I'd happily see Zombieland again. It's right. just good fun. It's good fun. So, so, so sim- similar to the actual first one, it's just like quite dumb, really. Not, not very deep but also entertaining yeah exactly it's also it's entertaining and it's funny zoe zoe dutch is one of the new additions to the cast she is in one of my favorite films of all time called everybody wants some she's phenomenal she just plays a blonde california stereotypical right millennial yeah and she's very very funny so yeah if you get a chance absolutely watch it it's good fun great okay shall we move on and Talk about other things in the entertainment world. I want to. I actually want to move backwards. Colin, right? Can you recite for me the campaign slogan of the Conservative Party's <laughs> election? <laughs> Sorry, what? This is a handbrake turn of ever. I know handbrake turn one. right back to the beginning. Um, so I just forgot. I forgot to laugh at this. Have you not heard the campaign? No, um, slogan? enlighten me. Britain deserves better. <laughs> yep, you're right. It y- does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Like what is there a way to interpret that slogan that is beneficial to the Conservative Party? I have honestly couldn't tell you, but perhaps they've what? done it ironically. Britain deserves better than Brexit? Or Britain deserves better than nine years of conservative leadership? Like, I don't like, This is just open open waters. The Labour the Labour slogan can just be like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. we do. Let's take it back to topic. Some handbrake turn movie and TV news, starting with HBO have ordered a Game of Thrones spin-off called House of the Dragon. Right. Straight to series. So instead of just getting the uh, pilot episode and oh. seeing how it turns out, Ooh. full series is happening. Ooh. It's being written with uh, Ryan Condal, who produced Colony, and also George R.R. R. Martin is actually is going to be involved. Based on that's good fire and blood which is a history of house targaryen the history of the house targaryen james thoughts on this i mean there's a lot of good stories around the game of thrones story i don't even really finish that sentence very well there's a lot of good stories that that george has written as side pieces right the history of house targaryen is interesting there's a lot of 
dramatic moments in it and a lot of interesting parts to it. Uh-huh. But I feel like they should have done something a bit more different. This is just going to be, here's the conquering family doing a conquer. And there's a civil war. And that's exactly the same. That, that That's just Game of Thrones. But there's even more dragons in this one because it's not just three. There's going to be even more dragons. And everybody knows that... Game of Thrones episode quality was inversely proportional to the number of dragons in it. So I feel like if you're adding more dragons and they're eating up even more of your budget for each episode, it's not going to be as flexible. It's not going to be as interesting. And granted, they're chucking a lot of money at it. It's not got D&D in charge, so it could actually be very good. Okay. But I think they've kind of burned me out. They've lost my trust by letting D&D call the shots at the end there. Just on before we talk about D&D, do you remember that HBO had previously announced uh, a Game of Thrones spin-off probably oh, six months ago, maybe a year ago, with Naomi Watts. Yeah. So that's been cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> um, they kept that one quiet, but basically, they've not, they've not given a, a reason for it. But they shot the pilot over the summer. This was meant to be set, you know, a thousand years before, or thousands of years before the events of Game of Thrones, to do with the mm-hmm. Age of Heroes and mm-hmm. the world's descent from that point. Which would have been more interesting. They shot a pilot, and they've decided, actually, you know what? No. It's it's less approachable, is, is probably the problem they got there. The further back you go away from Game of Thrones, the more fantasy it becomes. And yeah. as much as fantasy is very approachable, if done right, like Lord of the Rings, the films... It's also not very established as a genre in TV. People are, are less trusting of hard high fantasy when it comes to TV shows. So they're going for something safer, which is just swords and dragons and conquering and family drama. <laughs> eh, and it, it should be fine. Again, D&D aren't doing it, so it has probably a more hope than okay than, than, I'm, than I'm giving it. You, you seem to be mentioning D&D a lot. Let's talk about them. Boy, it's like we plan to. Uh, this is David Benioff and D.B. Vice, the duo who in 2011 launched the screen sensation known as Game of Thrones. They've walked away from their much-publicised deal with Lucasfilm, uh, in which they were set to helm a brand new trilogy of Star Wars films. Yeah. D&D have walked away. Yeah. That is that. I, James. I'm going to give that some quotes and say they were probably encouraged away. Okay, explain why. Just talk me through this. Well, I reckon it's a soft firing because of their recurrent reputation. They've had to do some of the circuit now. They've been avoiding a lot of conventions and things, but they have yep. popped up at a couple of panels, closed ones. And they've been asked some questions about Game of Thrones and their answers have been horrible. <laughs> Chatting about how they were they didn't want to waste more than 10 years of their lives in a project, all this negativity, yep. how they didn't want to explore the stories of the books because it was too complicated. They were forgetting character names and different things like that. So they're, they're becoming even less popular than they were after how terrible the final season was received. Terribly, that is. Um, so... Star Wars and Disney and whatever, Lucas, um, and their difficulties surrounding actual popularity regarding Star Wars films are probably not wanting to take that risk. So they said, hey, oh, you guys, you guys, greener pastures and stuff, you, you probably want to do other projects rather than, than doing Star Wars. Okay, and you were like, all right, okay. So that leads us on to the fact that uh, they signed a rumoured $250 million deal with Netflix. Which, kind of ironically, they don't expect to actually produce anything for at least 10 years, 
which makes their previous 10-year statement just really funny to me. So I don't I don't get that. What do you mean? So because they're get, getting given such big budget and they're doing something brand new, they don't foresee themselves actually producing an episode for that long. It's going to take that long to write, see. plan, develop, shoot, edit, <laughs> reshoot because you did a bad job, re-edit, all that stuff. I mean, maybe 10 years is an exaggeration on their part, but that's the chat. Um, it's just real dumb of Netflix to give them such a huge investment. But also Netflix have all of the money right now because they're still getting countless investors. So they're just giving loads of people a pile of money to produce maybe something eventually. Well, we're segueing beautifully here, James, because that takes us on to Netflix's next big TV show streaming hopeful called The Witcher, which has yeah. a full trailer. This is uh, starring Henry Cavill. Let's have a listen. I've heard tales of your kind, Witcher. You're a mutant created by magic, roaming the continent. We don't want your kind here. Hunting monsters for a price. I thought you'd have fangs or horns or something. I had them filed down. <laughs> okay, James, this trailer came out a couple of days ago. Before I tell you okay. my experience of watching this trailer, l- uh, tell me what you think. So, The Witcher, the, the, the books are apparently great. I've not read them. Yeah, it's based on a book, right? Yeah, based on a book. But the books were not very popular until a game was made based off of them first. Okay. So there's been a series of games based in this story. Um, there's been, I think, three games now. And they are, they were very well received. They were made by, uh, I think it was a Polish company. I can't quite put my finger on the map right now. Okay. Uh, made by a smaller company. And they were made with uh, a level of detail and affection and attention that other companies haven't been putting into their games. So the Witcher series became huge. And then the guy who wrote the books was like, hey, give me more money. I'm the reason that the games are popular. And then they were like, no, we're the reason the books are popular now. Um, So Netflix, seeing this popular IP, were like, hey, we'll give you all the money. We'll make a TV series. And actually, they haven't made it look all too bad. I'm surprised. (laughs) I thought it was going to be another terrible game adaption with really bad editing and overhype action scenes but it looks like they've been patient it looks like it's well shot the fight scenes look planned out a bit slow the dialogue was a bit cringy but that's just guaranteed uh yeah but it doesn't look phoned in it doesn't look cheap it, i'd say i'm hopeful that this could be good okay james this trailer yeah made me do something which rarely rarely happens oh because as a uh, consumer and uh, observer, reviewer of media, films, TV. Yeah. I like to know what's happening, what's out there. Right. I started watching this, and I'd say, around the halfway mark, uh-huh. I close the tab and stop watching. <laughs> yeah. I have absolutely zero interest in this yeah. whatsoever. That doesn't. That's not too surprising. Right. So, it just is absolutely not my bag at all. And, I mean, you're right, it looks expensive. The dialogue's pretty ropey. There's, like, a little girl, and she has some involvement in it. 
and lots of people fighting and yep. I was just bored. I was so bored. Yep. And so I closed it and I didn't think anything of it until you said, hey, Colin, there's this trailer that came out this week. And I said, oh, yeah. I have <laughs> so there was. I watched yeah. half of it and then closed it because I was bored. Yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm too, I'm too surprised by that because the trailer is very much marketed towards people who already know the story, I would exactly. say. Exactly. And I don't. I don't care. It feels like a recap to a story. Like, here's where we left off last time. Um, even though it is set, like, no, it's not a pre a sequel to the games or anything. That is, it is a re a reimagining. And it also just looks like Henry Cavill killing people. But, yeah, and taking his clothes off. Yeah. So the only reason this is this is going to be a super interesting trailer to me or to other people that find it interesting is if they're already invested in the story and if they're already invested in the lore a wee bit and they know the characters who, who are being shown. Yeah. Because some of the characters there, you they get a couple of seconds of screen time doing nothing and that's meaningless unless you kind of know who they look like from the games. Okay, no, I get you entirely. Yeah. Okay, well, that's coming out, I imagine, fairly soon. I'm expecting it to be an average, an average decent season of TV, uh, which is better than most game and fantasy book adaptions on TV are. Okay, before we finish up, three other stories you may have missed in the media over the last week. The first one being the UK has been selling white phosphorus to Turkey as evidence grows of chemical attacks on Kurdish wow. civilians. So this is um, oh boy, the story that concerns have been raised uh, about selling these products to the Turks. And uh, amidst ongoing attacks in northeast Syria, James, this is, is completely unsurprising. Yeah, no, Turkey doing the whole genocide thing, but with chemical weapons as well, uh, is not surprising at all. Tur- Turkey, believe it or not, have a history of genocide. We'll come back to that maybe. Um, so they 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 probably have been because the reports are saying using chemical weapons, white phosphorus, while it has. Some uses in in the in a war where you want to light up your rounds at night time by igniting white phosphorus so you can see where the rounds are going, stuff like that, uh, generally is a thing that helps people kill people, either through being helping them at night or by use, use as a chemical weapon, which is is designed to burn people real badly. Uh, overall, I would say it's bad enough that we sell it to them. Because I, I don't really know. Maybe there are other uses. The only other use I've heard of is also related to killing folks. Um, so it's a bit of a shame we're selling it in the first place. It makes us even worse that we're selling it to a country that is seemingly happy to use it in a way that is agreed on internationally as out of bounds. Please do not. But I, it's, again, not surprising. The UK sells sells chemicals and weapons to everybody who wants it, no matter what they're doing. Okay, time is escaping us, but talking off uh, Turkey, let's move on to America. And the House of Representatives passing a resolution this week officially recognising and rebuking the Ottoman Empire's genocide against the Armenian people. Yeah, which happened James, 100 years ago. Yeah, give, give me give me some context to this. So, uh, around about the time of World War One, the Ottoman Empire, um, which is around about and bigger than modern-day Turkey, took, took offence to the existence of certain peoples within its borders, primarily Armenians, but also Greeks and others i can't quite remember and they started originally uh killing the the uh young males 
like by conscripting them or sending them to labor camps and stuff like that. And then they started evicting people of those races and ethnicities to from their cities. And eventually it became forced marches out into the desert with no supplies um, while being tortured and all kinds of brutalized on the way. Um, so basically it was a very deliberate killing also of like an ethnicity or a people group, which is a genocide. And they did it. And some countries recognize it as a genocide. But America didn't. America never did. The UK never has. Um, but Scotland has independently done so, and I believe Wales and Northern Ireland have as well. Yeah. Because we can do that kind of stuff without much repercussion because we don't actually matter. <laughs> um, but most people who want to have open trade with Turkey do not recognize the genocide as a genocide because then you can carry on open trade with Turkey. True. So it's not surprising that America have pulled this one out when they're trying to kind of put down Turkey a wee bit because they've been embarrassed by them a wee bit. So now they feel more free to be like, hey, if you guys don't start treating us well, we're going to start recognizing all the atrocities you used to do. Okay. You don't want us doing that, do you? So they've done one of them. But it's like genocides and whatnot. There's a lot that have gone unrecognized in modern in modern world purely because people want to carry on making more money and no no other reason. Okay, finally, let's go to South America and uh, the country of Chile, where more than a million people uh, took to the streets of the capital, Santiago, on Friday, uniting in a call for a huge social and political change. James, this is something which actually I'm reading on the site Al Jazeera because I've been unable to see it on my regular news places it's not been heavily published why i've seen it on the guardian and the bbc do have a page about it um as of today i think i I found i finally found a report about what's going on in in chile it's believed to be the biggest demonstration in decades by the way yeah it's an absolute huge thing and it's been going on for a fair while uh uh, two weeks ago more than that i don't even know some time ago it was that well um, it started with a student protest because the the fares on the metro had gone up. Yeah, this the subway fares got raised to a one dollar something return when the average wage or like fifty percent of people living in Chile earn less than four dollars a day. So it makes sense that they started protests with that. But then the protest quickly developed into this general hey, all the rich people have all the money and we have none. This isn't fair protest. So it's a class protest now. Yeah. Um so I'm going to go out on a limb here, take a wild guess and say that maybe the fact that it's a protest about inequality is the reason that it is not being heavily supported by anybody, our country or any other unequal country. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. So because if the if yeah, if the UK establishment, which has most of the money and most of the stuff and all the rest of us are left to have some uh, started saying that, yeah, it's good to protest inequality we'd probably start protesting inequality. We probably should be protesting inequality. So America and the UK and everywhere else, they can't support this. The establishment can't support this. The media empires can't support this thing that's going on in Chile because it is exactly the same thing that's going on here, but just a bit worse. Chile is the most uh, unequal um, country in the free trade zone or whatever, something along those lines. Okay. So we're not quite as bad but we still should be protesting already. So we're never going to hear about it in the news because it would encourage us to protest. Okay, James, we are fully out of time here. Uh, 
quick reminder, because you've done a lot of the talking in the last five minutes, that you, of course, can get in touch with Seesaw Parade by email, seesawparade at gmail.com, on Twitter, at Seesaw Parade, and Snapchat, at Seesaw Parade. Send me wherever you like. I might reply to you. Woo! It's amazing. Okay, James, thank you very much. I will chat to you next week. Oh, man, I haven't planned who to say bye to. Hold on a second. You have to to think about that, then. Boris. Boris. It's going to be you. Yeah, see you, see you next week, Colin. It's been a pleasure. I'll, I'll try. I'll try to be kinder about about your views on Corbin. Bye uh, bye, everybody. I hope you didn't get too annoyed at me, uh, Boris. Seriously, the ditch awaits you. <laughs>